uh, and turn to the book of Galatians again, the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 1, and today we're going to read uh, kind of a longer section, uh, section or Galatians 1 verses uh, 11 through 2, uh, 10. So, just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Y'all know where that's from? Some of you remember that. From Dragnet and Joe Friday. Now, my favorite version of that is the version where Dan Aykroyd in 1987, the 1987 version, where he plays that with Tom Hanks. Uh, Just the facts, ma'am. See, what Joe Friday wanted was the facts of the case and the facts that could lead to a conviction for a crime that was done. He didn't want... Any of the opinions of the witnesses, he wanted the facts and just the things that happened. Because he didn't want to be distracted by opinion. Now that's easier said than done for witnesses. Because what witnesses tend to do is they tend to interject their their view on things and why they think things happen and motivations and all that. But today in the passage that we're going to read, Paul is going to set the record straight. By giving just the facts of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he received the gospel, why he received the gospel. And he's doing that for a couple of reasons or for really two things. Because he wants to prove that his apostleship is authoritative. Or that you can trust him because he really was called to be an apostle by Jesus Christ. And he has the authority of an apostle given to him by Jesus So that's the first thing. His apostleship is authoritative. And then secondly, that his message, that is the message of God's grace in Jesus Christ, is the pure message of the gospel. That he has not changed it to suit his needs or what he wants, but it is the message that God has given directly to him. And so those two things are the point that are are, are the two points that he's driving home and why he's giving this evidence today. He gives a passionate defense of his position, of his authority as an apostle. And that's important for us because if he is trustworthy for the Galatians, then this message is also trustworthy for us as well. So let me read this for us again. This is starting at Galatians chapter 1, starting at verse 11, and I'll read through uh, verse, verse 10 of chapter 2. This is God's good and kind and gracious word for you today. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers." But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away away into Arabia, and I returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. 
Then I went into the region, uh, regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, so to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right end of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and to the circumcised. Only they asked, uh, asked us to remember the poor, the very thing that I was eager to do. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help in understanding his word today. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for giving us this word and for uh, your servant Paul, uh, who was inspired by the Spirit to write these things down. And as we heard him say, uh, not lie to your people. But give us the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, Father. We pray that we would see that truth and hear that truth, especially the good news of Jesus Christ in the gospel today. And we pray this in his name. Amen. So today I want to look at this in three ways. And what Paul does is he, makes, uh, he gives three, three arguments or three evidences uh, for, uh, for authority, uh, and, uh, authority in his apostleship and for the purity of his message. So the first thing he does is he talks about the divine authorship of the gospel, the divine authorship, or the source of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we see that in verses 11 and 12. And so look at what he says there in verse 11. For I would have you know, brothers, I would have you know. Um, The gospel is something that you know and something you need to know. And Paul begins that way. He wants you to know certain things. He He doesn't necessarily want you to feel certain things. He doesn't want you to experience certain things he wants you to know things because the gospel is at its very root something that you know and the life of the mind is important for christians what does he want you to know what does he want for these galatian christians to know well he wants them to know that the gospel of god's grace is not something that men have made up this is not man's message And this is the most crucial thing to remember, that the good news of Jesus Christ is not something that has been developed over many years, 
It is not a philosophy or a way of wisdom that men have developed. It's not a seven-step plan to success in life and prosperity or anything like that. The gospel, the good news, is God's message about God's work through Jesus Christ. And Paul essentially says here in this, For I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus. In saying that, he is saying that this message of the grace of God is not something that men could make up. It's it's too wonderful. It's too good. It's not something that uh, that men would just come up with because, because of what it says about God and what it says about man. All throughout history, men have been saying that they know the way of salvation, and the way of salvation is typically through something that you and I do to climb up and to get to God. But the message of God's grace is not that we climb to get to God, but that he came down to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ, that that he came to us to save us. And man's idea about what the gospel is, is that we do something good to earn the favor of God, to get him on our team. But the message of the gospel is that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God loved us and rescued us when we were his enemies. When we were unlovable, he loved us. Now, where did Paul receive this message? We can turn to Acts chapter 9. You don't have to turn there now, but I would encourage you later to go and read about this. Because what Paul is doing is he's recounting for us. His conversion experience in Acts chapter 9. And he's saying, look, I, didn't, I wasn't taught this message. I didn't have to go to seminary to be trained in this way because I received the message directly from Jesus Christ. And if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, you can go and turn to Acts chapter 9. And you'll see in that red letter edi- edition where Jesus is speaking and delivering this message by direct revelation to Paul. How does Paul receive the message? Jesus gave it to him directly. Just as the first apostles, the first 11 or 12, uh, depending on how you count them in in chapter 1, those apostles received it directly by the teaching of Jesus after his resurrection. And then they were sent out, so Paul received it directly from Jesus. Jesus hit him over the head with the good news. Now why was that important? Because as he says here, he was not looking for, uh, he was not going out of his way to preach that gospel. And we'll see that in a minute. But Jesus hit him over the head with the good news and changed his life. Now in this, in the fact that this is God's message to sinners like us, there's a danger in this for us. There's a warning implied, but then there's also safety implied. And here's the danger. If you reject Paul, if you reject his apostleship and his authority, then you reject Jesus as well. You cannot say, well, I'm a, I'm a red-letter Christian, as I mentioned last week. I, you can't say, I like this part of the Bible, but I don't like this part of the Bible. So I'm going to go to the part that I like. No, you have to accept all of it in order to have Jesus as well, because all of the Bible is the word of God. And so if you reject Paul, then you are rejecting Jesus, and that's dangerous. And the worst at doing this are uppity, uppity American Christians, okay? 
we're the absolute worst at this because for whatever reason, uh, you know, because of our wealth and because of our arrogance, we think that we can put ourselves in the place of God and we can choose the parts and pieces that we like. But we need to be careful about that because we don't have the right to pick and choose the parts of the Bible that we like. And we need to listen to the Apostle Paul and the Apostle James. And we need to listen to the Old Testament and the New Testament. We need to listen to the words of Jesus because all of it is the word of God. Um, the reason why so many people in the world are, are picking and choosing and they're, they're doing away with Paul because they don't like the words of Paul. They think that he comes across as hard. And there are many churches today that are doing this. They're saying, okay, we're going to highlight the words of Jesus, but we're going we're gonna to put on the back burner and put away the words of Paul or the other apostles. And they do this as a way to appease the culture because the culture around us, the society around us, um, they're promoting things like homosexuality and various things like that. And when Paul begins to talk about those things, they don't like it, and so they put it to the back. And what does that give you? That gives you safety from the world. And so there are many Christians who believe that by appeasing the world by just talking about the pleasant things, that they have safety from the world. But the danger is, you may have safety from the world, but you have the judgment from God in that. Well, if you want safety, true safety, real safety, you accept the message from Paul and from Jesus for what it is. You accept it for what it says about you and your heart. That you have a heart of darkness and sin, and you need a redeemer. What's amazing is all over the world, in third world countries, people who are not sophisticated or educated in the way that we like to think of ourselves, they are receiving this message and coming to Christ in droves when in Europe and in the United States. And what we arrogantly call the developed world, we're leaving this gospel behind. They take the message and all of the implications of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's that message? Well, or, or, or what's the implication of that message? The implication is danger from the world. So in China today, Christians are losing their lives and being persecuted for their faith in Jesus. In Western Africa, all over the world, in places in South America, people are dying for Christ because they don't want the safety the world offers. They would rather the safety of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And so they receive all of this message. So we need to receive this message for what it is, the divine authorship. It's from God. Now in verses 13 through 24, Paul goes on to give personal proof uh, that this message is pure and that he has apostolic authority. And so he gives personal proof. And this is Paul's testimony. Now, I grew up as kind of a child of the 80s and 90s, and I, uh, and I don't know if what your experience was, but in the 80s and 90s, uh, we would go to conferences and someone would get up and give their testimony, and that was a really big thing. I don't think they do it as much in churches, but the reason why people would get up and give their testimony, it was always someone that had a very dramatic testimony. You know, like, um, I was, I was uh, a drunkard and a glutton, and um, I was lazy, and I was an adulterer and fornicator, and all of those things. And then when I turned five, you know, Jesus saved me, something like that. Um, for those paying attention, okay, that was a good joke. But, um, so that was the kind of testimony that we used to hear. And it was always supposed to, to, 
pull at your heartstrings and to, 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 to make you very emotional, to make you want to make a decision for Jesus. Well, that's not what Paul's doing here. He's not trying to get an emotional response from us. He's just giving the facts of what happened. He's trying to give you proof that this gospel message is true. And what's the proof? The proof is the transformed life of Paul. So he says, what happened? He goes, well, you know what I used to be like. You've heard about what I was like. What was he like? He was a violent man. Okay, here was a super religious guy who in Judaism, in the nation of Israel and all of those surrounding areas was known as like a super Jew. He was an incredible guy who persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. He hated the things of Christianity so much that he wanted to kill the Christians. And we listen to that and go, oh, wow, that's really bad. Well, that's what he was like. And he said, yes, that was really bad. But he did that because he loved the traditions of his fathers more than he loved the things of God. He did all the things that he did in the name of God. He was baptizing his violent and murderous behavior with God. But he said, in truth, I was an enemy of God, an enemy of Jesus Christ. I was an enemy of the church, and that's what I was like. But he says, look at what I am like now. That's what I was, but now, look at verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born... Salvation happens by the eternal decree of God. He sets us apart before we are born. And he said, Paul says, I was set apart before I was even born. To do what? To go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. He, as a good Jew, hated the Gentiles. They were called the great goyim, the great unwashed masses. He hated them with fervor and passion. And God, in his divine sense of humor, said, the man who hates the Gentiles the most is going to be the one that delivers my message to them the most effectively. And so Paul says, I was transformed. My heart and my desire for the traditions of my fathers was replaced with something even greater, and that is a love for Jesus Christ. Look at the transformation. I was a natural enemy of Jesus, and now... Because of his grace, I am a friend of Jesus and a servant, a bondservant or a slave of Jesus. God called me to do this. And what happened as a result of that? Look at the very end of verse 24. Or look at verse 24. Because of Paul, because of his preaching and proclamation, because of the transformation that God did, what happened? People glorified God. Paul before, when he, when he says, you know, I was advancing before all of my brothers and I was zealous for the, for the traditions of the fathers. What he's saying there is, I was all about my glory. I was all about building myself up and putting myself in the place of God so that I would receive the glory of man. And Paul says, but now what happens? Because of this message of God's grace, God is being glorified instead of me. That's Paul's proof. The amazing transformation that happened in his life. That he was an enemy of God and he became a servant of Jesus Christ. And the fact that God was being glorified instead of himself. That's the thing that Paul points to. Now, um, all of us should have that sort of testimony about who we were 
but what God has done and is continuing to do in us. It may not be that dramatic. If you've known me for any length of time, you know that my testimony is that from the earliest ages, uh, God called me to himself so that I don't remember a time when I did not know Jesus Christ. But I certainly can tell you and point to times in my life where he came to me and gripped me in certain ways and transformed my heart more and more to love the things of Jesus so that by his grace, I am being transformed. Praise the Lord by his grace. I'm better than I was before. And that isn't about me. It's about him. Now, we have a long way to go, don't we? (laughs) Just ask Amy. There's a long way to go for my transformation, but by God's grace, I'm being transformed. But also, God is glorified in that because this isn't anything that I'm doing for myself, and it's nothing that you are doing for yourself. God is glorified in it. That's his personal proof. So is the gospel transforming your heart? I mean, and you can't do this, you can't think about this in terms of one day after the next, because if you look back over yesterday, you probably won't see very much transformation. Um, on, on Friday, I went to go pick up my nephew Clayton at Delta State University, so it's four hours away, North Mississippi, and, and the way you get there is you go up Highway 61, okay? And I love going up Highway 61 because you get in all of those hills and the massive hills that are happening and you know those hills and uh, at one point like you get up to the at one point my ears popped you know and that's how you know you were born in south louisiana when you get 50 feet above sea level your ears pop um but you see all that and you go wow what an amazing you know landscape and it's there because of the massive changes that the mississippi river made changes that happened years and years and years hundreds and maybe thousands of years ago So over that long period of time, you see those changes and the way that God works. You can't look back over just yesterday or the day before, but a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, where were you? And where are you today? Proof of the truthfulness and the purity of the message of God's grace. If you're more angry today than you were five years ago, then maybe you've heard the wrong message. If you love God less today and love yourself more, then maybe you've been hearing the wrong message. Paul says, I love Jesus more today than I ever have. The message must be pure. Okay. So the last thing we see here is in verses, uh, in chapter 2, 1 through through 10, um, that Paul was given apostolic approval. So personal proof for Paul isn't enough. And he doesn't want you to believe the message just because of the personal transformation that has happened in him. But he says, but, but I've been approved by the apostles. Uh, and this is where um, we're told uh, to, by, by Peter to make our calling and election sure, uh, to endeavor to make sure that we really truly have been called by God, by his grace. And so don't be deceived Don't be deceived sitting in the pew week after week and believing that you're a Christian, but make sure that your calling and your election is sure. And how do you do that? You go back to the word and you listen to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you ask, have I believed that message? And Paul does something similar to that. He he says, I need verification that the, the message that I believe is true. 
And so he goes back to the ones that have the authority and have been given the authority to make sure that message is true. So he says, after 14 years, he then goes up to the apostles. He takes Barnabas and Titus, and he goes up, and he asks the apostles. He lays before the apostles. He says, those who were influential, and then you notice the little commentary he gives. He says, I don't care if they were influential before men. He doesn't care about that. He says, but, but they were the kind of leaders in the church, and so they were the ones that God had approved, and so I went to them for that reason. So he goes to Peter and James and John. He lays out for them the message that he has been proclaiming. He says, I want to make sure, I wanted to make sure that I was not running in vain, that I wasn't doing this for no reason, and that I was actually turning people away from Jesus Christ. And what happens when he goes to those apostles they listen to what the message that he says, and they're shocked and amazed. They say that is the same exact message of God's grace that we have been sharing with the Jews and with God's people. He says, but God has been sending you to the Gentiles with this message. And he's encouraged to continually preach that message. He, at one point, expresses his amazement at this, that Titus... You know, so Barnabas was a good Jewish man as well. He was probably a, a Pharisee of some sort and, and, and doing a lot of good things in Judaism before his conversion. Um, and so he's there with Paul. And they were both Jews. And so them going up to Jerusalem wasn't a big deal. But they brought along Titus, a Greek man, an uncircumcised man, one of the dirty, unwashed masses. They brought them to see Peter, Paul, and James. And he says... In amazement that he wasn't required to be circumcised. So what does that tell you? That the gospel message is not about Jesus' work plus your work. It's not about Jesus or anything that you do. It's only about the finished work of Jesus Christ for you. And he says not even Titus was made to be circumcised. So that tells you that it's not Jesus plus circumcision. Jesus plus your good works, Jesus, plus your family name that saves you. If you're putting your hope and trust in anything other than Jesus, then you're putting your hope and trust in something that's wrong. He says, Peter, James, and John gave me the verification that I was preaching the same message that they preached. The message that was transforming thousands upon thousands of people in Israel is the message that was transforming thousands and thousands of people all over the world and all over Europe and all over Asia in that day. So we see kind of an apostolic secession in this as well, that Jesus gave this message to the apostles. The apostles proclaimed this message and gave this message to the church that even though we're almost 2,000 years removed or 1,900 years removed from the apostolic age, the message of the gospel is the same, that we have salvation through the grace of God That Jesus Christ earned our salvation and did this for us. And we bring nothing to the table but our sin. That's the message they heard. And it's the message that we need today. 1,900 years later. And guess what's happening through this message? Hearts and lives are being transformed today. You can trust the word. You can believe the word. And you actually need to hear this message day after day, week after week. Because that's the way that God transforms us. Let me conclude in this way. What's the, what's the basis for your faith? What are you leaning on today? 
See, all of you have come to church this morning leaning and resting on something for your salvation. All of you have come and said, there's something in my life that gives me meaning and purpose. And you say, I have value because of this thing. What is that thing today? Maybe you say, I, I do believe in Jesus, but, but you believe in Jesus because you had an experience that overwhelmed you some years ago. Maybe because your feelings are such that you say, I believe in Jesus. Or maybe you say, I believe in Jesus because that's what I'm supposed to do and that's what my family has done. And I'm just supposed to be a Christian and that's why I'm here. Well, you and I can have a more solid foundation than any of those things. We can know for certain that Jesus Christ gave his life for us and rose to new life so that we can have life in him as well. That is the basis of our salvation Not anything that you feel, not anything that you do, but only the work of Jesus Christ. And that's the really good news about it, that you don't have to do anything to earn his favor. But by his grace, he gives it to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this gospel message, and we thank you that uh, you have, for thousands of years, that you have preserved your church uh, because of this message. And that I have the privilege of proclaiming that same grace today. Father, I pray that we would never leave or forsake that message. That as a church we would stand upon the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would take all of the danger that comes from the world because of this message. Because we have the safety that is in Jesus Christ. Safety from your wrath. Because we have your favor. Lord, encourage us with this good news. And as we leave in a few minutes, send us out and encourage us to proclaim that freedom in Jesus Christ and the good news of him. Help us to boast in nothing but Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.